This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today I have a, a person who has become a phenomenon, a force in the culture. He's taken over social media, taken over YouTube. Telling the world a lot of things that they may or may not be ready to hear. Today we have the one and only Kevin Samuels on the podcast. How you doing, Kevin? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Me and AD are such big fans that we got to at least give you a light applause. Maybe not a standing applause right now. He's but the GOAT, man. Yeah. Oh, man, this man. guy's one of the dudes who put me on to you, so I figured it was right that we have him uh, on hand while we have this conversation. But it's truly an honor to get to speak to somebody who's making a splash in such a unique way. I oh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's it's a splash. I will say that. <laughs> so, so give me a little bit of uh, the history of Kevin Samuels and what you might have done through your life and, and how you actually ended up kind of arriving upon the format that has given okay. you so much success of late. So um, I, my background is like a lot of kids. Born to a single mother. Father had many kids. Um, found out that, you know, academics was going to help me get scholarships and things at college, went to college for engineering, yeah, you know, did the normal stuff, mm -hmm. but I hated it. I quit my job in engineering, decided to start waiting tables at Papado. Mm. And from there, I fell backwards into a career in corporate sales. And if you've been around long enough, you remember with the telecom industry, the boom and the bust. Right. Well, I, I, I cut my teeth in that environment. Uh, lots of competition, lots of money, uh, lots of exposure, but it all went away. Uh, when that industry fell away, I found myself in advertising and marketing, selling it. So I come from corporate sales. Okay. Uh, and the last little bit, I realized that I'm becoming older. I can make it up. But, you know, these companies fall apart, such and so forth. Decided to start my own boutique advertising agency. Um, that worked moderately successful. But, but how I really got into this business was from the PR side of that boutique agency. One of our clients was about to leave and take about 40% of our company's revenue, which is going to hurt. Oh, wow. Hurt bad because, and she was sitting there saying, "You know, hey, I, I'm going to be put before the governor for an emergency appointment to a judge." Um, but here's the thing: I don't know how to dress for that, and I'm sitting there thinking about all the money we're about to lose because she's going away. She's like, "But you always dress so nice. Is that something you can help me with?" Because I was doing her PR. I'm like, "Well, yes." Um, and I went shopping with her to help her get ready for this thing. And I went and looked up. I was like, what is it that when people help people get dressed for such and so forth? There's an image consultant. Uh -huh. That's how I found myself being interested in image consulting. But it kind of goes in what I've done in my life. I've always uh, had a sense of style, a sense of flair. Uh, so I got into the business helping men and women. Uh, and what really brought me here is 
when I started focusing on my guide clients, they were coming in saying, hey, look, man, I came into you to get a better outcome personally or professionally. But on the personal side, man, I'm looking good. I'm smelling good. I'm, I'm, I'm moving up the corporate ladder. I'm, I'm moving up. My business is expanding. Now I want to have a wife, a kid, a family, whatever. And I'm not finding any women out here who are kind of at my level or my new level. And then I'm hearing women say they can't find men over here. So what I'm really having is a conversation that my guys have and my women have. And I spent the first three years talking to men, but that didn't really catch on. But when I started talking to women about the kind of men they say they want, I asked one question. What do those men want from women? Uh-huh. And that's what really kind of kicked this whole thing off. And, you know, the pandemic helped a lot, too, because everybody's sitting at home. Right. So that's the conversation that's been happening since the summer. But honestly, man, I've been involved in relationship conversations since 1989, Shahar Razad Ali College Campus. I've always been in the mix with, with relationships, but that's what's taken off here. So, And that's what kind of led to, to um, this new burst of popularity, just having the same conversation that we have on the basketball court, the barbershop, golf course. And I'm telling women what men really wish they could say, but they can't say this stuff in the corporate environment. I've been there. Right. You'll get canceled. You'll get me too. You'll get hostile work environment. Uh Um, And so many women are not understanding what the disconnect is. So what I'm saying is I'm like, well, the kind of men you want are these guys. And this is what they want from women. And are you willing to do that? Or if not, at least now you know why the disconnect is. So that's that's about as simple as I can put it. So. Interesting. Yeah, because that's one thing that I ended up saying to uh, one of my employees over there. I was like, you know, I like Kevin Samuels because he just gets crispy every day. I don't really <laughs> feel like I have that much of an incentive to present myself in that way. But, you know, certainly for you to, to garner the respect of these random people who are calling in and stuff, it, it very much helps to uh, accentuate your brand. And mm-hmm. you're, you're talking about that like you've always sort of had a bit of yeah. uh, understanding of, of sort of dressing for what you want to accomplish, right? Well, coming from corporate sales, you know, the first thing they buy is you. So when you come through the door and I'm talking about a multi-million dollar deal or even several thousands of dollars, um, your image does play a part in it. And I spent a lot of time, money and investment in getting coaching. Uh, I do. I do the same things that I tell people to do, because there's a difference between let's just say insurance. Somebody works at a local state farm. Farmers are all state. There's going to be somebody up here that's making 500, 300,000 and somebody making 30 or 50. Mm. They're selling the same products to the same market. What's the difference? Network and appearance. Mm. So I've always known that your image can help get you in the door. What you do once you're in the door is the difference. Mm. So uh, that's why I stress the, uh, the points of image. And before I get too deep, image is four parts. Appearance, behavior, communication, digital footprint, A, B, C, D. The appearance part just gets you a heard, but how you behave, how you communicate, and then how you look online really kind of solidifies all that stuff. And that all comes uh, into fruition on the show because there are people who come in like, I don't like this guy. I don't like nothing he has to say. What does he talk about? But then when they sit down and if they actually listen to me, it makes more sense more often than not. Right. Uh, Yeah, I have definitely had more than a few people that I know try to, like, take issue with you. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we keep having conversations. The more and more stuff that we watch that I'm like, listen, I can understand how you could say that Kevin is disrespectful. Mm -hmm. I can understand how you maybe think that he's uh, prioritizing things. He's prioritizing materialism or or money or youth, et cetera. I can understand that you might take issue with some of those things. 
but I can't say that I've ever heard him give bad advice. I can't. There's never been a time where I've been watching you speak to a woman and thought he's giving her horrible advice. He's completely misleading her. You might be a little rough with your delivery at times, but it seems like you really are kind of giving people advice that they need, to be honest. Well, and what's happened uh, as of late, I have a private Facebook group that I talk about. Mm. And in this group, it's been up less than six months, and I pretty much handpick the people that come in, men over here, women over here. And in eight months, and going on about seven months, there have been eight couples that have gotten together Mm. and three engagements. So even on YouTube, a young lady just posted a video last week. Kevin Samuel's advice is the reason I got engaged. And she got engaged uh, in Aruba. So... It's hard for people, it's becoming harder and harder for people to say your tone, your this, your that, when you're producing results. And what mm. I often say is I'm like, well, Simon Cowell in American Island was allowed to become a multimillionaire. Mm. And he is the reason the show was as successful as it was. And we wouldn't be talking about him if he wasn't abrasive with right. his commentary. Bars. Howard Stern was the pioneer of the shock jock kind of thing. And even to a lesser degree, Gordon Ramsay. And I ask people, is it my tone or is it the fact that I'm right? Mm. And you know, my tone just gives you a reason to not like it. Because two plus two is four, no matter who's saying it. Mm. And we need more of that in today where you can be a man and you can build all this and have, be successful for you, your family. And somebody can go back and say, hey, man, something you did when you were a uh, freshman in college really made me feel uncomfortable. Give me half your shit. Mm. No, thank you. Right. <laughs> no, thank you. The world has certainly changed a lot in that regard, yeah. Yeah, so bring a little bit more of that back and not just, and here's the thing, it's not just harsh or direct for mean's sake. I reflect what I get from people. Mm. So people who watch my show recognize that I just mirror back. And there are times when I'm sitting there talking to somebody who may come in as a real advocate. Next thing you know, she's in tears going back to her husband. Mm. Um, But people like to focus on the things that make their argument stick. And really, it's about staying comfortable. Mm. But I'm like, cool, be comfortable. But just be comfortable with your outcomes. Don't complain about them. Right. You're making a C. I'm good with C's. But don't want a outcomes right because you we should have equality of opportunity but not equality outcomes Mm, definitely so that's the one thing that we keep coming back to from watching these conversations that you have with people is it seems like a lot of you know a lot of the women in particular that i see you talking to they just sort of have like a a a contrived image of what their life is supposed to be like and Mm -hmm. i wonder where you think that that comes from because when you have a woman and this happens over and over and over on your show they're 35, they have had a, maybe they haven't had a couple kids, they haven't been in a successful relationship, whatever, and then you end up asking them, how much money does a guy need to make mm-hmm. to, to be with you when they say a quarter million dollars in a, a year, and you're kind of no. like, this is a very unrealistic world that you seem to be living, and that's a lot of fucking money, and Bro. what are you really bringing to the table that would, po- like, maybe you fall in love with this guy and you get lucky, sure, but doesn't seem exceedingly likely if you're not bringing anything to the table, right? Well, what I think, you know, and this is where we start to have a multi-track conversation. One thing we all universally, Disney. Disney is always the prince, the, the girl comes from nothing, the prince finds her in the village and he picks her up and they move <laughs> out from behind. It's coming to America. Uh, you know, the Eddie Murphy movie in the 80s. This Western culture 
to where we have to have the cathartic ending. I mean, if you're a Star Wars fan, a bona fide Star Wars fan, Star Wars was supposed to end with Luke turning evil. Mm. He wasn't supposed to go good. True. Well, we needed to be happy so we could sell merchandise. So I, something happened. Uh, there was a woman by the name of Sue Ellen Browder who used to write for Cosmopolitan back in the 70s and 80s. And she wrote a book called Subverted. And she admitted that in the 60s and 70s, Cosmopolitan, which was Playboy for women at the time, they openly lied to women, mm. selling them this sex in the city lifestyle. And I did a podcast on how, you know, feminism and that kind of stuff was so supposed to be about one thing, women having choice. Mm. If you want to be a housewife, that's your choice. If you want to be a corporate woman, that's your choice. And I think everybody can get on, on board with that. But when we've told women, women in particular, you can have it all. You can have everything. You can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, never let you forget you were a man. I'm a woman, Anjali. That's the 1970s, and that kept going on and on and on. But we as men, we know that ain't right. You step to Hottie over at the bar, and you find out real quick where you rank. Mm. Bars. Real quick. So men get a, a, a dose of reality often, and then when we took away competition, when we started putting all these participation trophies, you get, you, know, you, get, you get a trophy at the spelling bee just because you showed up. Well, it, it has an effect upon people, in particular upon women, because women by nature want to consolidate on the highest value man possible. It's in their nature. Mm. But now you've completely deregulated the sexual marketplace. There are no rules. And now you have social media and all these dating apps. So now if you're a man in the top 10, top 20%, you have almost 100% of women wanting men who can produce this outcome. Which is massively unrealistic. You want a man who's making at least six figures? That's only ten percent of the population, fourteen percent. And I and coming from Oklahoma, the Bible Belt, factory worker family, military family, I'm like, yeah, I fit in this category. But I also take exception to you looking at my my brothers and saying, hey, these guys aren't good because they're average. But then you get upset when I call you average. Mm, it's true. Yeah, we'll always have that conversation on the podcast where we'll ask like a girl who's relatively young and popping or whatever we'll ask her like could you date a footlocker manager mm -hmm. very rarely do you get a yes right i was uh i interviewed a professor dr tiasan johnson and he's uh california what is it university of california santa barbara he teaches black masculine studies and the net net of it is he is on college campuses right and he'll have young college men and young college women in his class and he asked the question to these women, 19 years old, and they're wanting men at a certain level. And these men in this room with their peers know they can't date them. Hmm. They don't make enough money. And these women looking over at them like, come back to me when you have $100,000. That wasn't how it was when I was in college. Right. This, this is a recent phenomenon of the last 20 plus years as to where Normal average ain't good enough. Everybody has to have a, a Mercedes, and you have to have a uh, a BMW, and we have to have a, a five-bedroom house plus a vacation home, and we have to be able to travel to Europe. I'm like, wait a minute. We were happy if we went to Six Flags or Disneyland, but now you got to go to Paris? Right. Where does this come from, this insatiable? We were made consumers. Mm. And the women have that. that and, and why I say women is because... When you start listening to the women who actually sold this, Cosmopolitan and all these kind of things, one of the easiest ways to keep money circulating in the community is keep men and women separate and keep marketing a lifestyle. Wow. You don't sell a piano to a middle-class person. That makes no sense. Mm. You sell a music room. 
have, have anybody who somebody has a music room. If you don't have a music room, well, you you know you're just you're pagan. <laughs> so all of a sudden, you've justified buying a piano because you know I'm somebody. I'm right. I'm, yeah. Then we start talking about pianos. I have a Steinway. I have this. Or that. You can't play a piano for a damn thing. Right. But you got this ancillary music room because somebody marketed it to you. Yeah, and you end up with this sort of a weird structure where you have all like a you know a handful, the top five or ten percent of men. And they're attracting a huge percentage of the attractive, eligible women, even though they have no interest in having a serious mm -hmm. relationship with them. And then you have this other big chunk of men who now, like the media will call them incels right. or, or something along those lines, that are a little frustrated with the arrangement because they sort of see the world work in this way. And they realize that even the, the women that they perceive as being on their approximate level of value are quite often not interested with mm -hmm. any guy who is sort of near the lower end of the, of the spectrum, right? I spent the better part of a year and a half talking to guys called incels. They were labeled incels, but they don't want to be. Mm -hmm. They want women. They just, women just, they can't get them because women aren't paying them any attention. And see, those guys got mischaracterized as neckbeard, Cheeto-eating dudes living in their mother's basement. I'm like, no, 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 no. I know guys who are 40 years old making $160,000 as software engineers who are decent-looking guys, but they have no real social skills, so... They're not being prioritized because it keeps push. It get, keeps getting pushed to the margins, the the margins of men. Mm. And so, I started off talking originally to men, my clients who are in image, and then I also start talking. I started realizing I had an influx of these incel guys, and I thought that they were guys who were uh, economically unattractive. That's the new word. No, no, these guys are solidly middle class or upper middle class. I'm like, so what the hell's going on? Does everyone have to have six figures and be a superhero? And that's really what you find out when you start asking women, what do you want? And my sales background and my way of probing and active listening and asking questions, I can finally get people to just tell me what you want, not what you'll accept. And what you're finding is from GED to PhD, women are wanting two to three kids. They don't want to have to work to pay significant bills or they only want to have to work to pay 20% or less than the family bill, so you still want to provide her mail. That ain't the way this country's set up. Mm -mm. Most people, you need two incomes, but and then you're saying these guys aren't good enough. I'm talking to a woman in college and ask her, could you date a plumber? And off the rip, she said no. I'm like, you know how much plumbers make? Yeah, it's a great job. But I'm like, but it was the fact that not only, not only do you want a guy, now you're discriminated where his money comes from? Right. It's insane, and that's what this show is starting to highlight, starting to break apart a lot of this delusion. Mm. Because when you feed an appetite, it's no different than drugs. Let me give you a few hits for free, and then now you're going to buy it. They've been, they've been sold on this idea that you don't want a high-value man, which is six different things. It's not just money. What you really want is this lifestyle. Mm. But then I ask, well, what do you bring to the table, and what kind of relationship skills, and what are you, he's going to get? That's where the crickets happen. Mm -hmm. mm. So now it's really started a conversation that's much needed. We have gotten to the point to where, for the most part, we don't even know how to relate to one another. We know how to swipe left, swipe right, hook up, and get on. Right. It's like the idea of two people who are at the relatively early stage in their career. When I think about my mom and dad, they mm -hmm. met in college. They yeah. probably didn't have jobs or had bad jobs. And that was the dream. When I talked to my parents about what they wanted out of life when they were in their early 20s, they wanted to get married, get a house, have a couple of kids, work on their careers, 
and build a life together. Yep. And they did, and they've been together for 50 fucking years. And it's like, that's a beautiful thing, but it seems like that dream has kind of been lost along the way where people got so overwhelmed with choice mm -hmm. and so overwhelmed with climbing the social ladder and trying to have the best mate that they possibly can mm -hmm. that the idea of building something with their partner has sort of vanished it's to a so, lot of it's people. social media, man. It's like now, every young girl that's coming up, they're looking at everybody's Instagram every day. Mm -hmm. They've seen everybody with the nice purses. Like, I have a homeboy who gets depressed, like when he watches other people's Instagram. I can yeah. post a picture and he's like, man, my day is messed up. How's your day messed up? Because mm -hmm. somebody else, and you know, people spend their money and go their whole life trying to fit in with everybody else when they're not even in the same tax brackets and have the same social status and stuff. Mm. See, and what I try to do is I'm like, I don't judge what people want. I just ask, are you really cut out for that? And do you really want that? Because, you know, you talk about this social media has definitely, you know, thrown fuel on the fire where you saying that used to be the American dream. Mm. Now, uh, we're talking about women right now. Women want to, they want the outcome, but they don't want the work. And I'm saying, okay, well, at what point do men start making this six figures? Mm. You know that's a 45 to 55, right? So you're 22. You want a man in it? Oh, oh, now you want him to be young and in the top 10%. And a certain it's like to the point to where they're starting to sit back and say, you know what? This is unrealistic and un it's unsustainable because most people aren't there. And even if you do can get there from a look standpoint, there's only one. And what are you going to do to get it? So it's a much-needed conversation because, look, even the guys that are up there, they're just normal guys, too. I'm like, you do realize their breast stinks in the morning. <laughs> uh, they have bad habits. You know, driven, motivated guys, you, you think they're going to be at home to go to the PTA meeting? They're working 12, 14, 16-hour days. You know, being a high-value man's wife is a lonely life. And you got to – not lonely, but you're not going to have – everything mm. and that's the thing what's happened we've told everybody you can have everything you can be whatever you want and there's no limit to now you have people uh thinking they can have it all when they're average and then that leads to frustration and depression mm. when, when they you know when your expectation doesn't line up with reality people get frustrated then you got guys who you know hearing these women saying uh, I couldn't I couldn't date a guy making fifty thousand. Like that's an insult. Mm. Like you know, half of the men in this country make fifty thousand. That's the median income. So I'm like, so what are we ultimately saying to people? That the only way you're worth anything is if you're over here, okay, well, are you planning on sharing these guys? I mean, what are you planning on doing? Right. And so now it's starting now it's what it's starting to do is it's starting to separate it's starting to make this conversation front and center. Uh because before, it was just a one-way conversation. And finally, men are starting to, what men want is being heard. Mm. Uh, because if you were to say what's on your mind, or you would say what's on your mind, it's toxic. Mm. Uh, it's, uh, it's Narcissist. Nar I get called that here. Narcissist, <laughs> misogynistic, <laughs> or, or, or all these different things. And uh, <laughs> last night I did a broadcast about alpha, alpha females and beta males, and I was like, you know, when a woman says, I'm strong, independent, don't need a man, I need this, 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 I'm like, she can be direct like she wants to, but if you do it, mm. you're demanding, you're this, and I'm like, well, he who makes the goal rules, so 
All right, you're accepted over here, accepted over here. And what we're really starting to see is the hypocrisies. Hmm. And that's what happens in my show. I don't, I just question people and I just let, let, let the public decide. What do you think? Hmm. And now more people are saying, you know what? Maybe I do need to get some therapy. Maybe I need to really, because I push that heavily. You hmm. need therapy, you need therapy. And then um, I think we all can do therapy, whether you come from a troubled background or whether you're A-OK, it's maintenance. And then understanding that life is about people. Success is shared and making money is a social activity. You want to get something out of somebody, how useful are you to somebody else? Mm. Because at the end of the day, you got your you got your PhD and this and that, and you look to the right and you look to the left of you, when the pandemic hit and we were on lockdown and you were there by yourself. Mm. That was the reality check. Now people are starting to realize, you know what? I may want somebody to walk through this life with me so somebody can chronicle my life. So when I finally do die, somebody can tell the people who are there what that hash mark in between born date and death date meant. Mm. If you don't have anybody next to you, it was almost like you weren't here. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Life is a lot less meaningful if you don't have somebody that you could partner with along the way and I mean some of us figure that out when we're 20 and some people figure it out it takes later into life but I feel like your show is a consistent uh, uh, showcase of people that figure it out too late in life mm-hmm. what that they wanted to have that and you know it occurs to me I remember when I was like 20 21 I realized all the young girls I know all the 18 19 20 year old girls are really really concerned with being with a guy who's got you know cool tattoos, his cool clothes, cool jewelry, whatever. And then when I looked at the older end of the spectrum of the girls I knew at the time, or 28, 29, I started to notice them being more interested in guys who had careers mm-hmm. that could take care of them, et cetera. It occurs to me when I see a lot of the women on your show, they end up trapped in that 20-year-old mentality for way too mm-hmm. long, and then they might break out of it at 35 and realize, like, <laughs> fuck, it would have right. been better if I had been building something along the way. And, and that's... And one thing I tell women all the time is that I've yet to, I watch this shit down there every day. Mm. I've, I've yet to hear a woman call in and say, I just want love. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like, and I've heard you say like, there's nothing wrong with, with dating a plumber. You may be in love with the plumber, but because you don't want to walk or go anywhere with the plumber and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's just the expectation. It pisses me off too. It pisses me right. off. Like, what's the problem with just wanting love? You can meet somebody that work at Petco. That could be the guy of your dreams, but he work at Petco. You don't want to bring him home to your mama. They're going to laugh at you and shit. It's just crazy. Yeah. Well, and that's why I have things on my, coming from my sales background, um, you want to close a deal, you don't give people 15 proposals. You give mm. them two. Mm. And, you, and you make you keep the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. You make it to where taglines. I'm a PhD. That has its own meaning now. Um, the danger zone, 27 to 35. You, if you want a family and kids, you need to focus like a laser right here because if you make it to 35, you cross into 36 to 60, no man's land. Mm. And more women have started to realize that, you know what? I never thought of it this way. I thought that I could just go out and live my sex in the city life and at 30-some-odd years old, I could just turn around and 
pick a man off the tree and run off. And no, you can't. And they think they're going to have the same selection they had when they were 24 right. or whatever. <laughs> right, dude, I did, a, I did an Instagram because I get a little bit more raw on Instagram. All right. Yeah. And, I I, and on Instagram, I was like, you better put a price on it. You better put a price on it. How much would it cost? I mean, wait till I upload it. Um, but I'm like, and one woman said she thought that she should have the same value on her uh, lady parts at 35 and she did a 25. I'm like, are you, what? It's got, mm. ten, it's got 10 more years of mileage on it. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's what you always said them with. Like, can you think <laughs> exactly. of any product that yeah, just yeah, becomes yeah, more yeah. valuable with time? <laughs> with time. But see, the thing is, because see, I'm 51, so I'm in Generation X. We got a lot of bad information. So from 40 to 55, man, that worldwide in Western countries, it's a bad deal. In Japan and Korea, uh, they got a thing where people are dying alone. What's it called? Kodukoshi? Right. Do you know how they know? They find you decomposing on your futon. Countries are not set up for single people into their elder years. I'm sorry. Um, you know, men, we would end up, you know, going off into the woods and dying alone. We at least have that dignity. Women are going to take <laughs> their services. I mean, we've, we call them hermits. We've called them weirdos. Yeah. Homeless. And we step right over them, you know, in New York City. But not homeless women, there's, there's nothing more vulnerable than a homeless woman. Mm. And so you don't have an infinite supply of money to fund people who've chosen, you know, middling careers because most people have jobs, not careers. Mm. And I just talk straight common sense that we all know, but we've gotten so far out of reality. It's like, all right, look, man. You had you, you you probably had a suitable man at 22 years old. You were together two years. It always happens. You broke it off for some reason. You likely blew that. Mm. You blew it. All right, now you're 40. You just, just go make a deal. Go make a deal. I'll give you your insulin shot if you change if you give my dentures, and we'll just figure this stuff out. <laughs> because you're not going to get love like you did at 20 in your early 20s. What you need is respect and companionship and somebody who's going to be there. And that other stuff can come once you know you have somebody there. And, and I witnessed my mother do this. She got married at 50. and But I also witnessed my aunts. One died alone and the other's on the way. Mm. So this is personal for me, too, especially when we talk about turning down the plumbers. I'm like, do you not realize we college guys that go to school in the suits, we just look like money. But these guys with the trucks and their own businesses, they actually can make money a hell of a lot sooner than we can with little or less debt. And they own it because they got a skilled trade of some sort. You know, if you're in corporate America, your ebb and flows go with the company. And you started to see more people started to get realistic after the 2008 the housing crisis. Because mm. that's the first time it hit middle class people. Right. You had people who had good middle class jobs that just went away. When I was in Dallas, I saw people from 75 to 120 those jobs just left, and they didn't come back. And many of those guys went and started a landscaping company, became an HVAC technician, a plumber, roofer, something like that, and they're making money hands over fist, but they're not in the suit. They got a polo with their logo on right now, and those are the very men that a lot of women say, it's like because of their title. I can't take you to the bar with Chris. It's funny, too, because throughout you becoming successful at this, You've probably experienced this where you get a completely different level of attention from women because now you have followers, subscribers, 
<laughs> people know who you are. And it's like your financial situation, I'm guessing, might not have changed that much in the last year. But the level of attention that I'm sure you're getting is completely different. And therein kind of lies with the, the whole well, uh, the whole issue with a lot of the choices that people are making, well, right? you know, have no check marks by your name. Because I come from Image and I understand the power of digital footprint. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to say back in September, you know, I had like 70,000 subscribers because I had been shadow banned mm. <laughs> because of my content. YouTube really wasn't as friendly to men speaking about men's issues. So I come from the image and style side. And if I had just stayed over there and kept out of this, I would have I would have had a different subscriber count. But I wanted to have a different conversation. Um, YouTube also injected about $100 million into black content creators. And they said they weren't going to just support um, the rank and file PC messages. They were going to allow more things to be out there. So basically, I just kind of let it be. I started noticing my yellow limited starts becoming green. I'm like, what's going on? Really? But then I got all the vid. I got all the tools behind the scene to make sure I stay in that, in that ballpark. But when I, I went viral, um, you notice the, the watch time goes up, and now I'm at like 360,000. So it's like 4X. Uh, and with that comes the attention. Mm. And attention is the new currency. Attention is new currency. And um, now I would say the watch time and all that other stuff, that's gone up too. And of course the money goes up. But now it's like, you know, the other day uh, I was doing, a, I filmed a podcast with T.I. Mm. expeditiously. Uh, and then the next night I'm on Instagram and Tommy Lee from... I watched that. And the thing is... Mm -hmm. I didn't know who that was. I mean, I, I'd, I'd seen her before, and I'm and like I'm see, I'm getting to the point where I got all this the staff and stuff behind me. But so I'm sitting there doing my show, and I'm just like, and I and I turned off the comments because I thought they were saying I'm like, who is this they're talking about? So I went and looked, and I saw a blue check mark by her name, but I didn't have time to go through it. But we just had a conversation. And I treated her like I treat anybody else. But the numbers jumped up to like twenty thousand people, uh, and what's cool is, you know. Even her, even a woman like that admits, I want to be married. At first, she kind of came off as, like, you you hate women. And uh -huh. I said, at the end of it, she said, I love you, Kevin. Uh -huh. I was like, Godfather. Because <laughs> the truth is, if you've been around beautiful women, successful women, hot women, hey, look, man, most people just want somebody that they can come home to. And I just acknowledge that fact. And uh, we're just scratching the surface. But the thing is, I want to have this conversation in a wider format to where people can start having uh, more realistic outcomes. Because what's really cool is when people say, I didn't like it, but now I'm getting a better outcome. Uh, I love it when you start to hear people say, I found this or I found that. Uh, because that's what it's about. That's also part of your legacy, too. That's also part of their dash. Mm. So if I got to say it in a way that's going to grab your attention, because, come on, you have to have a certain amount of entertainment value. Mm. I, had a very good, I had a very good friend behind me say, man, I love your content, but you're dry as hell. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. kind of why it's so good. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, no, but this is back when I was still in my suit. And I, I was, I was making no jokes. He's like, come on, man. He's like, you're hilarious behind the scenes. Like, when you're on, I was like, you're very corporate. He's like, man, you need to relax. You're corny. I'm like, bet. So I was like, all right, uh, let's see how it happens. 
And lo and behold, guess what? I became more relatable. Instead of looking like that goofy in the suit, you're like, all right. I may not want to dress like him. I don't deal him, but I like what he's saying, bro. Mm. Hey, I like the uh, get get the dog. <laughs> That's the best. The best By a dog. <laughs> Jigsaw. I said, oh, oh my man. God. Bro. That, was, that was classic right there. Oh, man. So, so you're from Oklahoma originally? Oklahoma. Okay. So would you say that that influences your perspective on this a bit? Because I feel like the issue of people not really being able to, you know, link up and, and marry or whatever, that that problem is more of a problem on the coast in the big cities. I feel like in a small town, people still have a bit of that uh, understanding that, you know, linking up with somebody who's more on your level makes more sense. But mm-hmm. I'm guessing that you're also sort of seeing that mentality seep into smaller yeah, areas. Yeah, see, I'm from Oklahoma City and I was, so that's middle America, the Bible Belt. And I was raised in the church, mm-hmm. baptized at five. Uh, then we went from Baptist to Christian Church of God in Christ. That's some of the most fundamentalist fire and brimstone. So that informs a part of that. Then I also come from a blue collar factory family. Family was domestics that, you know, salt of the earth, you know, people. But from there, I moved to Texas. I moved to Houston, Dallas, then to New York City. Mm. Then I go to the big city. And, the, you know, I start to see an entirely different dating scenario. Bigger city, more options, more money. Uh, but what I'm starting to realize is when I get back to Oklahoma, they're even having these issues. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like, why is this creeping into the middle of America? Why do you have women in Tulsa? I have women. I, this last week I had a woman in Little Rock. Little Rock. <laughs> Come on, no no disrespect to Because they're on Instagram just like everybody exactly. else, so they end up taking on a lot of the same ideas, right? Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana, states are statistically usually at the bottom for a lot of categories. And I'm like, ma'am, you're in Little Rock, and you're in your mid-30s, and you want a, and you want a man making 150 I'm like, what are you talking about? There's like eight guys. Right, especially there, making that much money is damn near impossible. So, and, and, I, and, and I use a lot of facts, a lot of data, a lot of statistics, and I have a mathematical mind so I can actually take that stuff and inject it into a conversation and make it make sense. Like I did an example one day where I said, you're roughly looking for less than, you got 7.5 million women looking for (laughs) roughly less than 200,000 men. And that's just in our community. They're like, oh, I'm like, yeah. Um, And what it does is it's starting to really crystallize. Do you really want that? Or do you just want to be safe? And that's what I find most women want. They they think safety and security is coming in money. And what it really comes in is having that something that's unique between one man and one woman. There will always be an understanding in a relationship that no one else will understand, but those two will. And it works for them. And that's why you get the 50 years. Mm. But we don't get that anymore. We're, we're still trying to get these things and hoping that makes us last longer. Now it just makes you look better on the way to breaking up. Mm. I hear that. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because sometimes it feels like within hip-hop or, you know, black entertainment or whatever, mm-hmm. that a lot of times they want, the media, perhaps, wants the liberal attitude, the leftist attitude to mm-hmm. be sort of the default attitude. Mm-hmm. But then I think more often than not, it seems like it's somebody more along your lines who really is kind of the center of the conversation. Like the average person watching this kind of content probably falls in line a lot closer with your way of viewing the world versus the sort of myth that mm-hmm. has been spun about everybody in that community. Mm-hmm. 
wanting to hear sort of like woke propaganda all the time. Right. And then somebody like you comes out and all of a sudden you get a huge fan base <laughs> seemingly <laughs> overnight and it kind of is... It's crazy, right? Yeah, and I mean, I, what do you think of that? Do you think well, that like... Well, what, what I did is, you know, I, I did a lot of a lot of work and research and polling and stuff behind the scenes. I kept asking myself, why is it that in the black community we can't seem to make families like we used to? We used to be married at a rate of 80% in the height of segregation and Jim Crow and you know, the worst parts of the racial Bible. We were married at a rate of 80%. We had churches and families and communities and all this other stuff. But now, we, we, our numbers, we're like the tip of the spear. We can't seem to get it together. What's going on? And we were saying, well, it's the, it's the marital structure and the family court. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Other folks are doing this. Why can't we send it to us? I ask a lot of questions. I mean, one thing that used to keep coming up is this whole high value man thing, high value man. So what I did is I said, all right, what does that mean? I went and defined it because it can't just be money. And I said, what men across time, across any region, across any country, any system of government have separated themselves from other men and what are the characteristics they shared? And I defined it by you know making a certain amount of money over a certain length of time, being accepted or acknowledged as a high value man by other high value men or having the potential to be in the group because it's like a little fraternity of guys, having a network of high-value men and other people, uh, and then being useful to others and the group. So guys like that are always in demand, whether or not they're 100,000 or 100, or 100 million. And I said, all right, well, and if women tend to say they wanted a man, they wanted this, they wanted these things, because the money is cool, but if it's in Anchorage, Alaska, it ain't doing you any good because you can't be seen doing these mm. things. If you have no connections, you can't have, you know, influence over other women. And that was what really was the callous when I started defining it in that term and asking ladies, well, what do you want? And they were saying they want this. I'm like, all right. Well, you do realize that's rare, right? And you can't be this at 30 years old, typically because... Who makes that kind of money over a three to five year time frame and all these other criteria? That's what really started doing it. And one thing I also did is I said, all right, no disrespect to my friends in athletics, entertainment, or music, uh, but their money comes differently. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about a business class. So I, I don't, because I often get, well, are, are rappers and actors and are they high value? I'm like, they make a lot of money, but high value is this. So now we start talking about men who make this, and they do tend to lean more traditional. They want more traditional outcomes. They want, okay, they want to, there's a, you're going to have to be married and bring your wife to the company Christmas party, or you want somebody who's going to be able to, you know, raise your children, right, when you're out on the road driving that truck for, you know, four days a week. Uh, and it's not the liberal, quote-unquote, narrative. It's much more of a, you know, because the black community has always been much more traditional. Mm -hmm. uh, and now we're just having a conversation saying, how do we get what we want? And it's through the, if you want to have a community or anything else like that, it starts with the fundamental building block. It's the family. So I don't judge what people want. I just say, what do you want and how do you get there? And more people say they want that than anything else. And I focus on that. I don't focus on the, the 10, 20% of men or women who say, I don't want that. I want some different kind of range. I'm like, cool, that's over here. And I keep my, I keep it very tight and very focused. So if you watch my show, I have asked the same questions and the same reason to get to the same place to see, are you playing here 
are you playing there? And more often than not, we're starting to see more people do want these kind of things, uh, but are you willing to do what it takes to get what you want? Mm. That's what it comes down to. And then, and then too, like, I like what you say about women rather be a baby mama before a, a wife yeah. now. And I said, you know, that's really part of the problem as well, too, is, you know, you can get sex and, you know, have a baby with a woman and she's not going to prioritize getting married. It's like it went in reverse. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It'd be, a, I feel like it'd be a lot more successful couples if somebody dealt with somebody and they demanded that they get married first and then mm -hmm. have children and then do that. And it's like, it's the, I got two kids with two, you know, I got two baby mamas. It's just. Well, coming from the church, you know, if you had, if you were in the 60s and you got pregnant, they would send you from Oklahoma up to Chicago and all of a sudden <laughs> you came back with a sister. But now I see the same women going into the church, coming in with two kids by two different men, pregnant with another, but they sitting on the front pew right here and the pastor shouting them out. I'm like, we've taken out, we've taken away consequence. Mm -hmm. We've taken away judgment. And also men have left the church because they're like, uh, this is not right. So you have women being fed what they want to hear to keep them buying books, paying tithes and all this other kind of stuff. But the men aren't in these places because the men say, I don't want this. You can do that. You want to have children. That's fine. But I don't want to pay for another guy's kids. And now the women who find themselves in that position are like, well, wait a minute. This is cool three years ago. No, I really wasn't. Guys just couldn't say anything because if you were in a position to have a platform to say something, you'd be deplatformed. Mm -hmm. um, this has only been something that's been all right to talk about in the last under 12 months. Right. So make hay while you can, right? <laughs> because it's the reality, and more women are starting to realize that if you do have kids, okay, understand. What that effectively does is it reduces your overall marketplace value and don't get mad at the market. Just adjust. Just adjust accordingly. It's not a death sentence to say if you have kids, but it does mean that it's a different mating calculus. And women have this mating calculus, too. If you don't make a certain amount of money, if you're not a certain race, height, uh, look, junk size, I mean, uh, <laughs> car. Y'all like y'all have a calculus. Ask a woman what, ask a typical woman what she wants in a man, she'll write war and peace. Ask her what she's going to bring to your table. It doesn't even fit on the back of a stand. <laughs> There's a problem there. There's a problem there. There was a video that went viral on uh, somebody's podcast or show, and I can't remember the actual name of it, but he brings up, he asked one, the, the co-host, the woman on the show, he asked her, like, could you date a guy who was making, I forget what the number was, like 150 grand a year? And she goes, maybe if he's selling drugs on the side or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was disturbed. I'm like, that is the worst thing. And she said it like she wasn't joking, which really pissed me off. Did, did she have a short haircut? I think so, yeah. I, I want fast money. I need that fast money. Right. And I, you want a guy who's going to be risking 20 years in jail for trafficking cocaine? And, you think that's cute? And, and that's the thing, too. Like, coming from where I come from, like, guys will take penitentiary chances every single day Bro. to impress other women. Bro. You know what I mean? Just... I know guys who had good chemical engineering jobs who were uh, trafficking narcotics. I'm like, you got a master's in chemical engineering, but you decided to be an H dealer? <laughs> Why? Because of the clout. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, bro, this is nuts. So when you hear women saying that, I don't want no... And that's what really pissed me off. When I started hearing, and I don't want to mention any other content creators, when I heard women saying, I don't want no nine to five guy. I need a guy who has an entrepreneurial mindset to match my flow. And I'm like, you just going to shit on every man that works? Right. 
I got a real freaking problem with that. Yeah, I sit in the air-conditioned office and make deals, but I come from salt of the earth, hard-working mother effing people, and you just, no, that no. You ain't good enough. Right. And, and because at some point, that will be me because it keeps going. Where does it stop? Mm. And no one could tell these ladies that you're saying, I want a man. And she has, would you like a man to work at the bank? Well, yeah, but, you know, and whatever. And maybe if he was hustling, doing a little fraud or something. <laughs> but, okay, let's just say he did all that. He did all that <laughs> to get you. Then when he, go, when he goes away and get his good fella sentence, you going to stay down? Bang, bang. You gone. Bang, you bang. Gone. You are gone. She's out of here. You, not not even not gonna, gonna wait stay, a week. You ain't gonna stay, Lord. You ain't gonna stay down to Wee Bay. Uh-uh, you gonna be Mm-mm. gone. It's a wire reference, by the way. <laughs> classic no, show. Yeah. Classic show. I mean, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty incredible. Like, I, I and you, you got to wonder where this sort of mentality came from, or where the idea that having a nine to five was a bad thing, that working was a bad thing, is just this really sort of disturbed mentality. Like, yes, it would be nice, you know, like, of course, a lot of women would like to to date a guy who owns his own business, sure. But they're not discounting there is how great it is to be able to go home at the end of your nine to five and not have to be thinking about the business 24 seven like I am. Not to mention that having a nine to five is you know, like I, I look at AD like we brought him on he starts doing podcasts with us it's helping every other area of his business mm-hmm. at some point maybe he could start a, a completely separate business from what he's been able to accomplish on here and nine to five is nothing but an opportunity to help you get to the next level see one of the things that's gonna piss women off is because men are much more numerate we have to get into the numbers we're cost benefit calculators if I go over there to take down that will the water buffalo He's big. I may get him, but if he hits me with that tusk, I'm out or I break something, I'm dead. <laughs> There's a rabbit. There's not as much meat on there, but that rabbit ain't going to take me out. I'm a little tired. I'm going to fuck with the rabbit. <laughs> I'm going to snack on your ass, and then I'm going to come and get your ass in a minute when I get my boys. <laughs> we laugh because we understand because if so I do that go. right now, I'm gone because I, there's no one coming to get my back. Men have to run these numbers. So what I find is women often say, I just want the water buffalo. Go get it. Wait a minute. Do you not understand that's a, that, that's a different risk? And so I want it. Right. And I, I mean, and I've had water buffalo before. You some kind of punk. Why can't you get water buffalo? Pussy. It's like, wait, hold on. Hold on. Mm-mm-mm. Hold on. You were eating berries at your house. I can bring you rabbit. Which is better than berries. Rabbits and berries may be pretty good. Tricks is for kids. But this motherfucker, you want? <laughs> but you want me to go get this? <laughs> uh, and you want me to go? You boss. You want me to go get this thing? Why? To prove to you what? And when I do that, and if I miss, are you going to help me back to help nurse me back to health? No. Mm. You're going to eat them berries and go find somebody else to go. No. And that's what they tell these men. I'm like, what are you telling the guy? You want to do fraud to do what? To get you $50,000 to do what? Just because I need it. For what? Mm. But it's because you've had this. You know, and I hate to use hip hop and that stuff as a as a culprit because we came to lie from hip hop. Uh, but, you know, there has been a market change from the message to the watches and the cars mm. and this and that. But. Average people used to understand not everybody got a AP watch. That's a house. Mm-hmm. You were good with your Seiko 105. That's three hundred dollars. G Shock. Exactly, and you know, and you were good with that. You didn't think because I didn't have this, I'm less than a man because I don't have this watch. No, 
You're still a man. And men understand that I don't look down on you because I got a Rolex, you got a G-Shock. But when women start making the distinction saying you're a better man because you have this, then you start, because men will do what it takes to get women. But now men are starting to reject that saying, look, I'm done. If this is what it takes, if the only men you're dealing with is over here, and then even those guys, uh, what, what, was the, what was the actor's name? Uh, getting Johnny Depp. You know, you're, even those guys, you got guys who are supposed to be apex alpha male, got everything else, and they're getting left. Why can't they keep them? And guys are saying, you know what? No mas, I'm done. That's never happened before where guys have chosen to just say, no, the game's rigged. I'm going to just put the ball down and I'm going to go here. Now, you have an abundance of adult entertainment online now. Uh, you got, uh, yeah, man. <laughs> you got a no I mean, yeah. I used to, I used to keep the, I used to keep the frat porn collection. So you got a, you got a. I'm in got, there. <laughs> He's, in He's in porn. He's in porn. Great guy. Great guy. Super hey. explicit. <laughs> hey, man, we made a lot of money on OnlyFans, my friend. See, and the thing is, you have more access. And here's the thing: back in the day, it used to be kind of taboo for guys to go to. Uh, Escorts and I, I've openly promoted. I've taken an escort to a company function. Really? It, it helped my fucking career. Wow. I went to a company function. Unless somebody else there recognizes her. Hey. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's what did it, bro. Oh, okay. I went to a company function. I hired one of the top escorts in, in Dallas to go to a company function with me because you don't want to go to these things alone. And I had heard that um, this is a good idea. So I hired her. Like a lot of pretty woman stuff, and I was not rich, and I took her, and I'm in, I'm in the company where, in the executive washroom because that they, they had the functions, all the bathrooms are open, so us normal little peons could use that. So I was like, well, sure, why not? I'm going there. A guy comes out of the stall, and all he says is, walks by, wash his hands. That Kelly's an incredible girl, <laughs> and he walks on out, and I'm like, her. He was the VP of marketing. Right. Three weeks later, I get a call, a call. Mr. Johnson would like to see you in his office. And I'm sitting up there, Mr. Johnson. We're just talking about the weather and cowboys and this and that. Nothing at all. Nothing. It was like banal water cooler talk. About three weeks or four weeks later, I started getting premium accounts handed my way, more opportunities. My managers start talking to me completely different. I started getting invited over to the, the, you know, come over to the house for dinner. I didn't know I had an advocate. And it turns out about three to six months later, I, was, I got into the management program. And what ended up happening is I went and I played golf with these guys in the scramble, and he's there. And I asked him, I was like, are you like my secret benefactor or something? <laughs> he's like, he was a regular of the girl that I oh. took there. He's like, anybody who had enough sense to bring her is somebody I need to keep my eye on. Mm. Because she is one of the most discreet people. He's been seeing her for years. And he's like, I know how much she costs, so that tells me you're not stupid. And uh -huh. she's not, he's like, I just need to see who you are. And he's like, I, and I've done my research on you, done my work on you. And he was like a real life benefactor. So um, what it taught me was there's a different level of power moves. And we have stigmatized that stuff where you shouldn't do that, but hell, if it opens a door, it opens a door. Now, nowadays, you know, 
escorts, porn, that kind of stuff, is nobody bats an eye at it anymore. Yeah. So yeah. now sex, now women don't have the monopoly and lockdown on it like they used to. I give you some, you take out the trash. No, I'll just go go to Eros. In call three hundred dollars, out call four. Okay, I just okay. Right. And I'm out. Why do I gotta wine and dine and court you just for you possibly to give me some starfish sex? I just I just break you off this four, and I'm good. Cash app. That's what they call it nowadays. Right. And I'm realistic <laughs> about it. I'm realistic about it. I even and see as an image consultant and a date and a dating expert or whatever I'm called now. You're not supposed to talk about this. I'm like, this is real. This is real life. Uh When I was in corporate sales, I did not play golf well. So I'm like, most guys did business on the golf course. I did my business in the strip clubs. Mm. Monday through Saturday, I was in the strip clubs. I'm the guy that the premium strip club, I was in so good with them. I got VIP on Valentine's, New Year's, and Halloween. Uh They're like, you have the... NFL and NBA players trying to get in. No, we can't go in. It's for so-and-so. And that puts you in an entirely different world of power. And I'm floating around seeing how all these people move and just taking notes. But I'm still just a, just one of these guys. I'm just being able to be in places and use that and try to give guys this fundamental knowledge that, look, man, they're no different than us. They just make different choices. So you seem like you had a real hunger for figuring the game out and and networking your way into the position that you wanted to be in the long run and really sort of understanding the entirety of how rich and powerful people move. And you were willing to put in the time and the sacrifice. When I would go to the men's club in Dallas, uh, men's club in the lodge, when I'm going in there seeing guys that I normally couldn't talk to, I actually, I'll tell you a secret, tell you a story. Um, When I saw how much business was being done in these places, if, let's say I'm trying to do business with you, and you, we get to a point you're like, you're not returning my phone calls or whatever. We're done. The sale's dead. I actually knew girls that work the lunchtime. They tend to be the hustlers. They tend to be the ones that are about their business because the shifts are shorter. Mm. And I'm like, all right, come with me. I know we're not going to, you don't want to do business, but come, uh, let's go to the lodge. They got a great, they got a great lunch. Prime rib, all sorts of stuff, some fun. Who's going to turn that down? Mm. Free, free, free TNA plus prime rib and, and crab. So we're sitting there, and you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, here comes Darian, and Darian is like, oh, this is your friend? Any friend of Kevin is a friend of mine, and she rubs your head, and I love him. <laughs> Kevin's a wonderful guy, such and so forth. Blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, you sign a contract. Wow. No sex, no nothing, all above board, and I gave her 10% of the contract face value, straight wow. up. And it got around to the dancers. It's like, if you work with Kevin and you close business, you get money. So um, I found out that I started closing more business in these places because everybody's on the golf course and everybody's over here. But what man doesn't want to be around beautiful women? Mm. How do you avoid getting lost in the sauce during times like that in your <laughs> life? Like, how do you not? I, I well, see my friend AD. He, he might be networking at the club a little bit, but he's also having a few too many cocktails and, uh, <laughs> you know, whatnot. Well, and, that, and see, you can. And that's the thing. Well, first off. You know, when you get to really understand that world, it's a fast world. Mm. You know, those girls get the best of all candy and get the best of all offers. Um, Don't partake. Right. Don't partake. And uh, I would say don't shit where you eat, but there's too many hot pieces of ass not to do that. (laughs) Um, But you you just got to pick your shots, man. Um, I only deal with people who have something to lose. Mm. I don't care how hot you are. So... 
Like some of the women there would be smoking, but I'm looking for women who own property, who are, who are really dancing. They're not screwing every client because when it goes left, as it always will, mm-hmm. you don't find yourself. This is pre- prior to social media explosion, too. So um, keep it business. Keep it business because, look, man, it's the oldest profession in the book for a reason. And I just accept. See, I'm a realist. I accept we are human animals. And and if as long as it's legal, I'm good. And what happens between two consenting adults, in my presence, at, at the end of the day, what never happened was somebody I did business with, whether they signed the contract here or at my, in my office, it always worked for them. It helped them achieve the goals they want to do. It improved their bottom line. Never was somebody, I mean, I wish I hadn't done this, man. No, it was a good outcome. So the means may vary, but you got a good deal. I got a good deal. Everybody wins. Mm. Some people would say, well, that's immoral. Okay. Um, a lot <laughs> of times when I see you talking to women, then you kind of corner them into realizing how deluded they are. Then they try to switch it up on you and say, well, are you married? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I noticed that you did come in here today with a woman who seemingly is a high-value woman. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> and you are out of town. Um, what about your own personal relationship what? mentality at this point? Well, whenever that happens, it's what I call sign language. Shame, insults, guilt, and the need to be right. Right. That's the typical playbook from... Many women, when they get cornered, shame, insults, guilt, and the need to be right. So that's a deflection. Mm. Well, are you married? No, I've been married twice. Well, I can't take advice from a divorced man. Uh, okay, so what you're telling me is if I've been married 30 years to one woman, you listen to me then? Mm. No, because all you know is one woman. What you're really saying is you don't like what I'm saying, and any old excuse will do. Now, for me, I've actually been over singles ministries at churches that I've been in. I don't. I talk like somebody who has a lot of experience because I do. And, and I ask the ultimate question, how does my being married or divorced change your life? Mm. Is two plus two, four. And that's really what the problem is because that's people not wanting to deal with the argument. They wanting to deal with the person, an ad hominem attack. And, and if you've ever taken debate before, the first person to go personal in a, an actual debate lose. loses. Mm-hmm. So coming from a sales background, and, a, and I've always had an interest in philosophy and debate, it's a debate tactic. So you learn how to stay cool and calm under questioning and fire and understand when they, they hit you with their biggest punch, that's it. Mm. Then they're going to hit the big bomb. They're going to hit you with it, and you just answer it directly. Yeah. Um, my thing is this. As far as personal life, some people want to be married. Some people want... Uh, open relationships. Some people uh, want just to do their thing. You know, I have a friend who's a self-proclaimed hedonist. He never wants to marry and have kids. Mm-hmm. I, don't judge, I don't judge a person's outcome. I don't judge what they want. I just say, okay, what do you want? What do the kind of people you want want? And then what are you willing to do to get it? Those are the only three things. What do you want? What are the kind of people you want want? And what are you willing to do to get it? Mm. And if you know what you want, if you don't know what the people you want want, and you don't, you're not going to get it. If you know what the people you want want and you're not willing to do to get it, you're not going to get it. <laughs> mm. So knowing what you want is the easy part. These two. 
And this is where the friction tends to come in because either they don't know or they're not willing to do to get it. Like, let's be honest. Most women know that uh, men don't want women that weigh more than they do. Mm. So when I say, hey, you know, dress size this or that, oh, how can he do that? He judges such and so forth. I'm like, uh, Miss America, Miss Universe, cover a college. I mean, before, before Tess Holiday. But anyway, we, we understand that there's a, there's beauty is subjective. There's an objective standard, too. And I just don't act like these things don't matter because you couldn't put, what was the dude on Howard's Beetlejuice on the cover of uh, <laughs> GQ calling him the sexiest man of the year. Right. That would not work. We would chuckle. But we try to feed that crap to men. And I'm saying men don't want to eat that. Mm. Definitely. Do you, do you worry that you, in terms of your future, you could be a victim of the same issue that we frequently are describing on your show where you're all of a sudden reaching a different level in your career. You have more and more women reaching out to you. How are you going to eventually settle on one if you're constantly being inundated by more and more women reaching out to you who are of more and more higher value by the day? Yeah, um, here's Good the problem thing. problem to have. See, here's the thing. Um, I've already been through my whole phase. Mm. Um, I, I don't have a bucket list anymore. Um, there's always going to be a hotter, sexier woman. You know, that's cool. But I would rather have somebody that I have that I could be myself with. They understand who I am, and they can match my irregular flow and let me do what I do. <laughs> that has a value to itself. That ultimately comes a relationship between one man and one woman, to where they understand each other, to where that's more valuable than money, status, power, or hotter TNA or new vagina. Mm. You know what I never expected, but I've really realized in recent months or years is that. There's no be better turn on than being in business with your girl and yeah. making money together and Boss. actually doing something for yourself together. I, I went my whole life having no idea what that would have felt like. And then in recent years of really kind of now you have a real partnership, you know, and once you can actually be building something together, mm -hmm. not to mention the kid, because then mm -hmm. all of a sudden you've got like this this costly unpaid business that you're starting together yeah. that is uh, immensely rewarding. Right. I mean, that'll really join you together and get you thinking on the same wavelength. You know, see, one of the questions I asked early 2020, is I asked a question to a black male audience. I said, what do my non-black uh, middle class, upper middle class, and lower upper class men know and understand about marriage in today's environment? They marry, divorce, and remarry. What do they know and understand about the institution of marriage, the middle class, and uh, lower, upper, lower upper class black men don't because the marital rates are so different? And one thing I noticed in corporate America is as a young black professional, young, young, black, uh, young black women, summertime, my counterparts were all going, all the white women were going to weddings, being mm. bridesmaids, and we were all going to the club. Right. So it was like everybody else was getting married, but then you realize that you can work hard, you can be good, but there's a, there's a level at which everybody upstream is married or has been married. Mm. There's a marriage cap because um, men being successful, I mean, think about it. It's, it's hard to sit in a room full of married, ex successful men who talk about wife, family, this and that. And you're a single guy. You have a different motivation, a different calculus. And being on both sides of it, I understand it and I speak to that. And because if you look at our divorce rate, that's 50 plus percent, right? The divorce rate drops to about 20 percent. Uh, above a household income of $250,000. Wow. 
the more money, more people stay, stay together because it's more than just sex. Mm -hmm. It's about legacy. And the best, your best assistant is your, your spouse, whether they're directly involved in the business or whether, like many high-value men, their wives will come work for the business. She'll be the office manager. You know, she'll do all the details like, I hate details. Mm. So my, my next ex-wife is a joke, but my next, she would be good at doing all that stuff for me because that means if we don't have to outsource it, that's one less payroll headcount that I have. That's more money back to the family to be invested back into the business. Mm versus continuing to hire employees, such and so forth. And that's what I noticed when I started really studying success, that you look at millionaires and billionaires and you rarely see lifelong bachelors. Mm. They're usually married. And I'm like, well, and people used to say, well, man, marriage is a bad deal. And you know, Jeff Bezos, I'm like, Jeff Bezos ain't saying that shit. Jeff Bezos, yeah, he lost half his money, but guess what, he doubled his money after the pandemic. He ain't sweating it. And that's one thing that I noticed that the men who had the money for the most part, weren't complaining losing half the stuff. It was the men who were projecting their middle-class sensibilities onto rich people. I'm like, you can't do that. That's mm -hmm. a different calculus. Yeah. And when you're up there, you need somebody that you can trust because the person who's most likely to do you in is the person that's sleeping next to you. Mm -hmm. So if you study men of power, uh, there was a show on HBO. It only ran for a couple of years. Marco Polo, and the character who played Kublai Khan. Kublai Khan, if you know anything about Genghis Khan, one in six of us carry his DNA. Mm. He got it in. <laughs> All right, but Kublai hey. Khan, Kublai Khan was his grandson. And the guy who played um, opposite of Doctor Strange, or the, the, the Asian character, he played Kublai Khan. Study him, his consorts, but study his number one wife. Mm. That woman right there is the kind of woman that high-value men would kill for because her main motivation was making sure that he was great. Mm. And his greatness benefited her. Right. And, in, by, and by extension, benefited his son, and by extension, benefited the entire Mongol nation. Right. It's always been that way with us. Definitely. Do you... Um it feels, How do you personally... How, how much faith do you personally have in interracial relationships do you feel like there is a big divide with a lot of the people that you talk to because that's one thing that i feel like i don't hear a lot of on your show when you're talking to young mm -hmm. ladies is that it doesn't feel like there's a lot of overlap that they're mostly dating within their circles do you Most feel like there's anything inherently unlikely to work in between uh interracial relationships what i can see from the data is 80 plus percent of people are date inside their group mm. Me personally, I've dated everything. I say make yourself the best version of yourself and pick from the best you have available. Mm. Uh, because at the end of the day, uh, we're all human, but most people want their group. Right. See, what I think the disconnect comes when you feel like you're having to pick from lesser options, but that's a function of you. Mm. Like you said, if you make yourself the top choice or become the best version of you and you can say and know not what you want, but know what you need. That's a difference. Mm. Know what you need and then pick for that and outcomes, not for short term. That's, that's relationship. I mean, think about you and your best friend. Y'all don't want to kill each other sometimes. Yeah, this guy want to kill each other all the time. Yeah. But let somebody fuck with him. Oh, yeah. You know I'm coming. That's blame, it. Blame me. Blame me back. That, that, that's it. And that's the thing. We have that as men. Men want that with women too. Thanks. And women want that with men. And the thing is, 
that person may look different from a want standpoint versus a need. And I just actually speak to that. Mm. And if you look at what it did with uh, the thing with Tommy Lee came on, where she said, you know, well, I really do want that. I'm like, I just want to trust. I'm like, I get it. I get it. And more women would be likely to get what they need if they are willing to be vulnerable and risk saying that. Because what they've been told is every man out here ain't shit. Ain't nothing going on but the rent, bills, 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 such and so forth. And women today, in my opinion, don't truly know modern men. They know the caricature. They know the character of men. I'm like, well, I mean, the, the icon of men. Now, what you need to do is understand, if you actually understood that they've got wants, needs, and desires too, it will be a lot easier for you to let your guard down and let yourself risk being in a relationship because it's always a risk. Mm. I saw a video of you discussing this uh, sort of uh, Instagram live that Tommy Loren did. And for those who don't know, Tommy Loren, kind of a conservative uh, commentator and whatnot. And I had heard about the video because I was vaguely aware of it when it went viral. In the the early days, basically a bunch of people dunking on her and try to act like what she was saying was crazy. Mm. I actually watched the video in the context of you sort of reviewing it. And I mean, what she was saying was unbelievably commonplace, mm. obvious shit. She was basically saying, if you're a guy and you want to be with me or any of my friends who apparently also have good things going on mm. for them who are accomplishing something, don't do this, this, and this because these are things that are going to make me not take you seriously. And as a person who's now in a relationship, I listened to her talk. I'm like, of course, if I was a guy and I wanted to mm. win over this girl... You're going to not want to do anything disrespectful to her. You're going to not make it obvious that you're just trying to hang out with her at 2 o'clock in the morning because you just got home from the bar, et cetera. And somehow, sorry, I thought you were going for that. Somehow this is considered controversial, and I'm watching you sort of like explaining that essentially this is pretty standard good advice if you want to be successful in your, in your love life. Yeah, and see, we have made this so damn complicated. And somehow this is political as well. It's complicated. I mean, we've overcomplicated it. And see, one of the beauties of my show is I, I acknowledge men are visual and women want... I, I, I'm all about hypergamy. I don't... Yes, you want the high-value man. You want a man who can protect, provide, and whatever that comes in. But that's what you want. That's nature. I accept that. And men are visual. We have over-freaking-complicated. So I go back to something I said a, a little while ago by my Facebook group. Mm. You know what's unique about that? I just picked from men from, I just asked some basic questions. Uh, how old are you? Your marital status? Uh, do you want to be married? Do you have any kids? And then I just went and verified, you know, what, you know where you work. I don't care where you work, but just, that's it. And from women, I pick women who are feminine, beautiful, and reasonable. That's it. I'm not a matchmaker. I'm not a... Uh, a, a love demigod, but I truly believe in human nature because image is human nature. I took men and women who were like-minded and I did something novel. Mm. I put them in a room together. Right. And I said, right. here's what we're going to do. All the stuff that's outside, we're not going to bring any of the salacious, you know, stuff that's just going to be openly controversial. We're not going to talk about that. This is a group for men. We get in here, work, network together, you know, talk about business, da 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 and women are our welcome guests. Guess what? Women get a chance to sit back and see me, you, and us to work together. 
talk, communicate. They come in and ask questions. I was like, you got to be able to be willing to answer questions because this is a different kind of woman. She's already admitted she's feminine, this, and she wants to be cooperative and work with a man. Guess what? Couples are getting together left and right now. Mm. I'm like, you let people, you let, you leave people alone and we will sort ourselves out. It's called a sortative mating. Mm. Stop, just let people be. But we've tried to engineer relationships based upon these false standards or standards, I won't say, things that, create a narrative that ultimately doesn't make either side very happy. Mm. And you leave people alone. What's funny is, what's really funny is when a woman says, you know what? I never would normally consider a guy like this, but he had already passed this basic litmus test. Mm. And I got a chance to see how he moved. And then I like that. It's the opposite of Tinder. Like when I was on (laughs) Tinder back in the day, I remember really feeling like this doesn't make sense to me because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who goes to the bar and tries to meet girls. I'm a guy who goes to the club and tries to meet girls. Somehow I'm sitting here looking at this app. It's not, it's got like potentially infinite women and it makes me feel miserable swiping through looking at them one by one because of the, the overt choice in, embedded in it. And what you're talking about is like, let's put a couple dozen people or whatever in this group and actually see what happens if they try to take each other seriously. And, and, and you're picking on straight appearance mm. that's seven that's seven seconds that's a very small time frame and i've actually helped guys write proposal uh, um, profiles and i and and honestly i was i'm on these apps because i like to know what's going on tinder uh which was one before tinder bumble bumble's a big one this, or it used to be but bumble has changed they've taken away the weight and thing. they don't want they want body positivity as this oh, week. Oh God! Mm. But I said, okay, but I said, okay, okay, you want that? But are you going to take the height and income thing away from men? Mm. Of course, you know that didn't work. <laughs> um, but I, I look, you know, Match.com, Plenty of Fish, and I'm like, I, I witnessed these things. I've dated on these things before, and it reduces people down to swipe left, swipe right. But then, what's the success out of this? Mm. Um, the success comes from. Just asking some baseline questions. You know what a Sadie Hawkins dance is? Oh, no. yes. Yeah, that's, that, that's what... girls ask the guys. We, we miss what, that these days, yeah. And basically, that's what I did with Match.com. That's what I did on Facebook. I said, these guys are provider males. And you are women who want men. Sadie Hawkins. Mm. And I look up, and, I, and somebody's like, oh. And I, I'm and I inside the first week. I, I'm in Boston. She's Atlanta. I flew up there. I'm finding out they're in a relationship 30 days later. I'm finding out, you know, I was going to go move out of here and I'm going to go to the DR. I joined your group just because I said I would. Now I found my, 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 my wife, my fiance, who's now my wife. I'm like, well, and the thing is, how can a guy who's an image consultant, who's now become a relationship guru of sorts, how can I do that? And all you folks who are in this business. Where, that's really where I'm at now. Where are you matchmakers? On? Where, are, where are your results? Where are these people? Because as an image consultant, I want you to come in. I want to get you square and not want you to go out and win. Mm. I don't want to keep you on the payroll for a lifetime. I'm a failure if I say it. If you need me to dress you for every gum thing, you know, um, different at a higher level. But you know, you see what I'm saying? You're supposed to get people to the where they can move on and do something else. But we have a, a, a relationship industrial complex, as it were, that keeps people single, miserable, taking Prozac, Zoloft, drinking wine, and watching Netflix and chill movies. Mm. That doesn't benefit the end user, does it? And you mentioned Japan earlier, and I remember one thing that I saw when I went to Japan was the realization, you know, the guy, the guy who's showing us around says... 
this is a building where you can go in and you can hire a woman to cuddle with you. Yes. It's not a prostitute. Yes. You don't have sex with her, but you lay there and you hold her and yes. you stare into her eyes. So they've actually yeah, managed to, you know, commercialize every part of the relationship so that if, if you're looking for an intimate connection, here's a, mm-hmm. you know, 20 bucks an hour. You get to stare into her eyes. Oh, yes. There's another side of that. Don't think that's the worst. There's something called Renegent here in this country. Rent a gent. You need somebody to install a ceiling fan? We've got Brad. Brad's an Ivy League educated uh, rugby player with uh, green eyes and a jawline, and he'll come install that for you. Rent a gent. Wow. You can take him out on a... Yes. We've commoditized relationships. So this cuddle thing, it was... And and, and what... (laughs) You mentioned incels. (laughs) That that, that whole uh, uh, sex robot. Right. The 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 um, that thing the production of that has stepped up, right? Because guys are like between VR technology and sex bots, women are going to be obsolete. I'm like, no, they're not. Mm. Because at the end of the day, whether you're renting a gent as a woman, they don't want to do that, and whether you're paying somebody to hug or stare in their eyes, you're paying for the BFE or the GFE, the boyfriend or girlfriend experience. People just want to get that without paying for it mm-hmm. because it's not as fulfilling because it's not real. But the fact that we have lost the ability to do things real because we've told everybody you can have everything. If people were just more humble and more realistic, you'll likely be able to find somebody with somebody just as jacked up as you. Mm, definitely. Um, it feels like there may be at some point in the future an oncoming expose or analysis of Kevin Samuels. Oh, yeah. And I say this in the sense that I tweeted out at one point, I can't wait till the mainstream media finds out about Kevin Samuels. And I had at least one feminist journalist like that tweet that mm-hmm. made me like, oh no, he's already on the radar. <laughs> they're already thinking of how they're going to take him down. Well, and that's why I said, you know what? I never purport to be perfect. I'm jacked up like anybody else. Mm. But this stopped being about, that viral that video went viral about the average at best. I said that stopped being about me at about 180,000 views. It's gotten millions. Mm. Um, and that's typical. They would want to come at me. Why? Because I'm wrong? Why? Because it's not producing results? No, because it's uncomfortable. Mm. But when you start having more people more women are coming out and say, you know what, I used to watch your videos, I didn't like it, or I didn't like your tone, uh, I didn't like this, but when I started listening more, and I mentioned this last night on one of my show, ladies, they're coming after you now. Now, now it's going from, we, we can't really deal with him, now they're going to say, well, these women over there, they're the ones that are the problem. But like the people who are saying that, do they have your, do they have your best interests at heart? Are they trying to give you a better outcome, or are they just telling you, go back to sleep? <laughs> Go back to sleep, but don't look over there. There's nothing over here. Just do your thing. I'm like, rarely do you find anybody who's trying to say, give you a different alternative. And you mentioned journalists. Well, I go back to Sue Ellen Browder of Cosmopolitan. Journalists is what started this in the first damn place. Read mm-hmm. Subverted. When she talks about the, we openly sold delaying marriage, consequently sex, and reproductive choice and telling them that not, not that these women weren't in New York City or L.A. said, 
put him in middle America around the world and call her Erica and make and, and take city landmarks and put things in there to make it seem real and lie about it if you have to. So if the journalists want to come at me, what they're gonna to have to do is go look at their own damn profession mm. and realize that you guys are the reason this is propagated the way it is. Journal, media, sex in the city, right? There's the woman who actually lived the sex in the city lifestyle said, I was actually like Sarah Jessica Parker's character, Carrie. I was miserable. Mm. I put all that up and I went and became more like my mother and my grandmother. Now I'm happy. So, mm. yeah, it's going to come. But why? The bigger a magnifying glass they put on you, the bigger it's the more it's just going to call attention to the fact that there are a lot of people who are very willingly having those conversations with you on camera. And clearly there's something missing. There's a hole mm -hmm. that is not being serviced that you are helping to fill at this point. And it's, it's clearly there's a need for it. Well, and see, the thing is, realistically, women have been able to have this conversation forever. Right. It's just when a man is having this conversation and he's unashamed about it, it's almost like, who do you think you are? I'm like, well, so you can have a standard, but if a man has a standard, he's, he's being misogynist. You can have a preference, but if a man is having a preference, he's, a, he's an ist of some sort. I'm like, you can bully a full human and have full human expression as a woman, but if I just happen to say what I like as a man for myself, I'm subhuman? Mm. So I welcome it. But you better be able to make sure that you got a better alternative because if, if what I'm saying or what these people are agreeing to isn't right, what do you got to offer? Or is it just turn it off? Or, or is it more, what it really more likely is, don't watch that, watch this. Mm. Because rarely does that come from somebody who's actually got better numbers or doing better and more traffic. So. Definitely. Yeah. At the end of the day, journalists are pissed off because they can't control the narrative and because there's other stuff out there that's more potent than what they're selling. You know? Oh, well, you know, that's that's the thing. Um, what is this? The whole thing they're trying to break up Facebook and Google. Mm -hmm. And because you've seen so many people in, in mainstream media who are upset because you're doing the kind of numbers you're doing. Trust me. I looked at my numbers and I've had many conversations. I'm like, you know, you do a video and your your numbers are unreal. You're a two and a half hour video, and you're getting a hundred thousand views in twelve hours, and you're getting this kind of watch time. That's attention. That's convertible. And and right now, it's just straight conversations, this and that. They want that kind of attention. But here's the thing: whether you like Trump or dislike Trump is irrelevant. Trump understood one thing: he understood how to talk to people who felt disaffected. Mm -hmm. If you can't get people to hear you, it's not because we're wrong. Why are they listening to us if you were right? We should have to fight you for the audience instead of them coming to us. So don't make us the enemy because you can't do your job better. Mm. Oh, that's very true. My, my last question, where does Kevin Samuels take it from here? A lot of people could imagine you with a TV show, could imagine you doing whatever, but then again, the power of social media is crazy. How do you, how do you view the next couple of years of your life? Um, my goal now is to use my platform to help people get what they want. Oh. I have this thing called the prize and the catch. So it's almost like the bachelor and the bachelorette. Um, from regular, normal, everyday people. You know, you're single, professional woman, and, you, and use my platform and say, here's Brenda. She's a 27-year-old accountant from Minneapolis and interview her and give her a spotlight for that, that two-week period and then do the same thing for a guy. 
Um, and then I'm also profiling one healthy, excuse me, one married couple a month. One normal, this is what it's, this is Rob and Heather. They're married and they, they aren't, you know, taking it and showing what productive stuff looks like. Um, using your platform to help people get what they want, I'll get what I want. Mm. You know, I don't, Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, shout out to Gary V. Jab, 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 right hook. Give, mm. give, give, then ask. Always deliver. Always deliver value. Anybody that knows me, I work like a madman, and I'm always trying to help somebody get what they want. I will, be, I will get what I want by and by. Ultimately, I would like to connect people. You know, if I'm in front of the camera on a TV show or something like that, that's great. That has a life. That has a time frame. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, uh, Clarence Avon, a black godfather, I'd rather be behind the scenes connecting people because I truly believe Life is about people. Mm. And if you help people get what they want, they will help you get what you want. And more, and more importantly, they'll protect you. Mm. They'll protect you when people come for you because they're like, well, wait a minute. You know, they'll, they'll at least give you a benefit of the doubt if they feel like you're doing something. If you keep it all about you and it's my money, my goal, my this, my that, nobody likes that guy. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I see you as someone, I'm always telling like YouTube creators or, or people who want to start something, I'm always saying just you need to be able to be an expert in what's going on and then find the holes, figure out what is missing that needs to be filled. And what's pretty amazing about your content so far is that you didn't just find something that's necessary on YouTube. You found something that's missing in a lot of people's heads, like some some percentage of their brain that needs to be filled in (laughs) with some information about how to be happy in in life so i'm very much in awe of what you've created and really looking forward to see where it goes down the line i am too uh you know it's pretty amazing um there's riches and niches but there's always going to be something in helping people get better outcomes Mm. and then you know as an only child you know i used to want brothers and sisters to play with and never had that uh i didn't um I'm very much driven on, I want to leave behind something, a legacy. And if, if somebody can say, you know what? I'm better off for listening to that video or knowing this or knowing that. I think that's a life well lived. I got one more too. For sure. I, I recently found out you had stage three cancer, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that made me look at things even more. I'm like, man, maybe he, he to the point now, like, I don't <laughs> care about pleasing nobody. Well, I'm going to tell it how it is. Well, when, when I was 21 years old, I was diagnosed with uh, stage 3 Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, and while everybody else was about to go out, graduate from college and go off into live life, I'm looking at my own mortality. So I've always, you know, even though this has one of the highest cure rates, I've always known that we're, we're all on borrowed time. Mm. We're all on borrowed time. So I'm like, you know, yeah, through hook or crook, I want to be the best at what I do to try to get the most out of this life that we have because it's not promised to us. Mm. So um, it's not to do it to make it rich or whatever. It's really because I want to have a life that was being worth lived. So. That's actually a really uh, good question and an interesting answer just because that kind of is the thing that you wish that you could give a lot of young people is like, how do I convince you, even though you're 21 and you're just having a good time, how do I convince you to take your life a little bit more serious when I see the potential? And it's interesting that it took something as extreme mm-hmm. as that to make you see how serious your life was, even, and, even and, as a young guy. And the, that whole thing, that what did it wasn't average. What, what really made it stick was dying alone. Mm. And that came from Kotokoshi. Because you've been there. You've heard them talk about it. And we have been, and many women have said, 
I never looked at it that way, but this is where my aunt or so-and-so is. It's like, if I don't change this, I'm not going to have anybody around me. And that means when I leave, I will leave by myself. And that, that may scare some people, but if that's what it took to get you to do something different, then you need to be scared a little bit. Definitely. So there we go. Well said. Kevin Samuels. <laughs> we shall see what happens with this one. I feel like I this, this episode, I feel like we just changed some lives. There's yeah. definitely people watching this that are going to live their life differently after watching that, mm -hmm. and that is a very good feeling. Yeah, and you know, and like I said, the journalist, the next Here's the thing. I've always said this isn't about me. And when you make it bigger than you and you're really trying to help other folks, man, it's always going to work out. Um, everyone has dirt. Everybody has problems. But when you're seeing people saying, when I look up and I see a woman said, I called into your show and you gave me some advice that I didn't want to hear, but it started, uh, it germinated a seed. And I acted on your advice, and now I'm engaged. I'm like, huh? She sends me a tape of her fiance proposing to her in Aruba. Mm. And I remember that phone call I had. She's like, that was the genesis of all of this. That's big, man. Because a family was gonna be formed from there that wouldn't have been formed. Or when I have a woman call in and say, I, my husband wanted me to watch this, and I, I did not like it. But now my my current generations, my future generations, owe our thanks to you. That's one of the few times I've ever been speechless. So I'm like, whoa. Like I can really change shit. Right. I mean, the thing is, just that's that's that mid that's that middle America. Anybody can make a change if you're willing to just say something that can help somebody get what they want. Mm. So. Guys, it's been great. I think this is dope. Yeah, amazing, I like it. man. Kevin Samuels. I think it was dope, man. Huge fan. And uh, we've, we've definitely made an impact on both of us, for sure. Stay here. Okay. Kevin Samuels, No Jumper. Coolest podcast in the world. Check us on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. You guys aren't idiots. You can find them on the internet all over YouTube. <laughs> right. Uh, NoJumper.com if you want to support. And uh, thank you so much for your time, man. It means a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Now watch his channel, man. Watch his channel. Get like and subscribe. Yeah. Appreciate everybody out there. Bars. Much love. <laughs> Bars. <laughs>